I, I equated fit with, with healthy. Training for Ironman is not healthy. No. So, sorry to break it to you, it's audience. Not. Like, <laughs> it, it's cool, and and doing cool stuff is, you know, it's what we do. Like, we've we, we've done that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's such an important point. Hey everyone, Phil here from the Master of Some, a podcast about health and fitness served up as a metaphor for life. In this episode, we have Darren's story, his fitness story, um, or as he calls it, getting healthy, staying fit, and using data to create habits that last a lifetime. Jesus. Um, a bit of a mouthful there, but uh, we wouldn't have it any other way on the Master of Some. Just like the title might suggest with uh, with all that detail, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here. Um, we're going to get into the specifics of how Darren made a healthier version of himself, and in fact, how he didn't really know what a healthy version of himself even looked like before he started diving into the data and, and quantifying a little bit. And this is going to have massive value and benefit for anyone out there who's looking to set good habits and, and, and follow through and keep them as well. Lots to unpack in this episode. And as usual, we have our language warning. We do use a wee bit of foul language from time to time so if you're listening with young kids in the car you might want to wait till you get home or just just throw them in the deep end and let them let them listen to us swear go out subscribe rate and comment wherever you listen to podcasts we're on spotify now so hit us up there and without further ado take it away darren Bill and listeners, so I've had a few friends over the past few months hit me up and ask me, hey man, I'm trying to insert, lose body fat, gain muscle, train for uh, triathlon, blah, 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 because they see me posting the stuff on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, I have focused on that and they're like, yo, you know, help me out. And I said, cool, guess what? I've actually got a blog post and I'm going to write on it. And they go, cool, where can I read it? And I go, I haven't written it yet, so I then proceeded to type up four or five 30 to 45 minute long emails, and at the fourth one, I realized that I was saying the same thing in a different way, that I should just write this damn blog post. So after many re- revisions, I birthed, was that a word? I birthed, birthed? That work. <laughs> I birthed out a really... Uh, I think is a, a it, complex. It's good. It's good. It's, it's good. good. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've read. I've read the preview. It's uh, cool. It's it's very good, man. Cool. Um, I appreciate that. And I've I've put out something that was. It's been inside of me for the past year. Um, and that thing is my fat loss journey. So it's actually titled. This might be the title of it. We we don't know because mm-hmm. we produce it this right now and then we post produce it. So yep. Uh, just how the sausage is made, you <laughs> listeners. Like it, this isn't like going straight to tape. What you hear. So the title is Losing Fat, Gaining Muscle, Creating Systems and Habits in the Process. And uh, you might say, yo, not another weight loss story. Oh, God. You know, like another weight loss story from a skinny guy. And it's like, no, don't say that, you (laughs) listener, because my story is different because it's me and I'm different because you're you and you're different. And that's awesome. So keep being you. Keep being me. I'll keep being me. And um. I have a very individual, personalized account of things. So what I do, I think, is unique in that point. And you might be able to take something from this. You could take one thing out of the the 30 things that I say. You could take half. You can take all. Um, Side note, would love to hear you guys' story 
you know, if you take something, if you have a, a fat loss or muscle gain or whatever type of story, love to hear that. This goes back to our whole two-way conversation. So, um, you know, hit us up on the socials, hit us up on talk some shit at themasterofsome.com. Another kind of asterisk, huge red, red font. I am not a medical expert, nor do I play one on the internet. So everything I say is from my personal account. And that's, again, the beauty of this. We all have our own stories, our own paths, because, you know, Phil has his own genes. He has his own experience, his own uh, uh, history as an endurance athlete. I'm the same. You listener are the same. So just take it with a grain of salt or, you know, a lot of grains of pink salt that you crush up. That's the good salt. The, the Himalayan salt. Yeah, that's the damn good salt. And, and uh, I might just jump in there with... with- maybe my outtake from from reading from reading the post and and this isn't really a spoiler for what you're what you're about to share with the audience but the the systems and the frameworks and the the habit formation that you that you talk about you can really apply whatever specific methodology into that and it'd still be super super useful so even if you disagree with some of the nitty-gritty in there you're likely to get a ton of value from the way darren's approached this in terms of his process and his habit formation at least that's what that's what i got out for it uh, out of it for myself so um yeah mate good work looking forward to uh looking forward to the sharing oh man thank you i i appreciate that i feel like we're um we're circle jerking each other right now, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you're so good. No, you're so good, but uh, you know, it's <laughs> I didn't hear you compliment me. You know, like, oh, well, I, was gonna, I, was, I was actually gonna say, I was gonna say, um, it's really cool to hear that from you, Phil, and like you know, you have a lot of things figured out. You've done some awesome shit. You did two, two, one, one. Now we all circle jerking each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna finish the statement. You did two sub ten hour Ironmans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't done that, and uh, you know, I look at the you. way you're running at the moment, mate. You're you, you're you're a for that if you trained for it. Uh, yeah, you're true, true. Right but now. it's it's just going back and forth right now. Yeah, like, yeah. What is it? Uh, okay, right. Is, is like, it I'm, I'm gonna put an end to the, I'm gonna put an end to the complimenting. Tell the story. All right. All right. Um. Uh. So be- benefit to you, listener. You might be out there because you know I'm I'm big on kind of playing both sides and. I'm going to do an early red team here, if it's still a thing, <laughs> via episode nine. Um, you could be like, yo, what, what am I going to take from this? What you can take from this is exactly what Phil just said. Um, everything's based around habits and disciplines and sy- systems. It's not the secret. Yeah, this isn't some beach body microwave mentality of getting fit for one thing and then getting unfit and unhealthy a few months later. You know, like, oh, summer's coming around. I need a beach body. And then guess what? It's winter and you gained 20 kilos of fat because... You think that going to the gym twice a week is going to help you and you, you know, you don't, you don't eat well, you don't watch uh, all these other things, your sleep habits and, and all these other things, overeating. So this is more about the actual meta of it all. And there is an episode on that. If you go back to episode number one, it's called Good Goals. There will be a link in the show notes um, that talks about, you know, setting objectives and, and why this is all possible. But we'll get there in a second. Um, there is a blog post for this, so if you like your stuff in words and you want to follow along, there's a link for the blog post in the show notes. And again, use what I did and make it your own. Switch it up. So back to your your red team, your original question of what's the benefit? And I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you an answer, like I did in, in my my blog post. Um, again, this is my individual count. One, two. I was tired of hearing from people. 
the same old, you know, close family and friends. It's not even people. And and hearing and seeing, and I'm not fat shaming anyone because everyone's body type is different. You know, I'm I'm a skinny guy, and there's people that have much more muscle than me that, you know, I go, oh, it'd be cool to have that much more muscle, but I know I probably wouldn't be able to run as fast as I do holding that much muscle. So I'm, I'm very happy where I am. You know, I'm very appreciative where I am. So I'm not fat shaming anyone. Everyone's body type's different, but I see people gaining extra weight, and they're like, oh, but I tried this diet, and they do it, and it's the cycle of doing it, getting in shape, going to the gym, getting out of shape, getting back into shape, getting into the habit. And I was like, all right, because I've never actually tried to lose weight, and I've never tried to gain weight, I've actually tried to gain muscle in high school for about three weeks, and I realized how hard it was, and I realized that I just burned so many calories, and I was more, more skinny. I was skinnier in high school than I am now. I've never actually tried to change my body composition, because I just said, cool, I was always very happy with my body. And... I realized that this would be kind of a, a cool experiment of sorts. Um, I also didn't know what a healthy version of me was, which which it, it's going to get a bit deeper. I always just assumed that because I did endurance and triathlons and because, you know, sorry, endurance racing, endurance training and triathlons, and because I just trained a bunch, I was riding my bike a bunch, that I was healthy. I I equated fit with with healthy. It's such a, that's such a pitfall, that's such a, um, uh, yeah, that's such a hole a lot of people fall into, and I know I certainly did. Training for Ironman is not healthy. No. So, sorry to break it to you, it's audience. Like, <laughs> it, it's cool, and, and doing cool stuff is, you know, it's what we do. Like, we've, we, we've done that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's such an important point. Yeah, Um. so I never had a, a healthy a healthy base for where I am, you know, via biomarkers, blood tests, vitals. I didn't even know what a normal weight was for me. And I didn't know what body fat percentage. I didn't care because I said, I'm fit. I ride my bike. Everyone around me told me I'm skinny all the time. I got, you know, skinny privilege of sorts. And uh, if that's a thing. <laughs> uh, it is now. <laughs> or was I skinny shamed? I don't know if I had skinny privilege or skinny shamed. You need to I, check your skinny privilege. One of them. Yeah, it's just, it's just buzzwords from the internet. Um, so this was kind of me going, all right, check. I'm 35 years old. I am declining as a physical being in the next five to 10 years, maybe sooner, maybe later, just based on how humans work. And I need to know what the healthy version of me is so that I can keep myself in check moving forward. Um, so yeah, again, goes back to the whole, I created habits on habits on systems so I can jump on what I call the gain train. What is the gain train, you might ask? Uh, it's some stupid phrase that I <laughs> that I made up <laughs> just because it rhymes. Um, and it's basically life life happens. So if you have systems habits like you know you you brush your teeth, you tie your shoes, you do good or bad things in the morning, you do the same thing. Humans are very repetitive. We're very yeah. uh, predictable, and you might as well have healthy predictable things. So if you know again life happens, you have a bad day, week, month, maybe months. Um, you can jump back on it and. Even, you know, you can grease the groove. Greasing the groove is a thing. Uh, oh, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Greasing the groove. Um, very, very simple concept. It's just about sprinkling your day with the little one percenters that add up to make a big difference. So it might be just doing some, doing some pull-ups as you walk through the door that's got your pull-up bar on it. It might be, you know taking the stairs instead of, you know, taking the elevator. It might be, um, I said elevator. I've been hanging around with you too long. It's lift. a lift. Is it lift? It's oh. a lift, yeah. You Australians are cool with both. You're like I'm bilingual. I'm Australian. Oh, shit, you're British. <laughs> are you a citizen, though? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're Australian, just okay, like me. I, I, we're, okay, we're both Australians. <laughs> I'm not English. You're not American. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, greasing the grooves is a great concept. Yeah, and super, super helpful. Yeah. Um. So the, I guess the takeaway is, you know, James Clear is big on this, and I plug him all throughout the blog because he just has a very clear and concise way of James Clear and <laughs> clear and concise. He has a very uh, clear and concise way of of making habits. Um, a part a part of your lifestyle and again things happen so you want to be able to jump back in it you don't want to get in shape to get in shape you want to just go back into the thing and even if you get out of shape you know that you know on Tuesdays you ride so next week if you miss Tuesday or even you know like I sorry I run on Tuesdays and let's say that something happens where I can't run in the morning I'm like cool can I run for 10 minutes easy and then do a couple sprints up the hill that's something I do. I know I couldn't run for the hour that I planned, but I'll just run for 10 minutes because that's in schedule. And it's cool. I got that done. My brain knows that that's the habit. And then next Tuesday, I'll come back around and do the whole thing. And it doesn't matter that I didn't do it all the way. It's, it matters that I did kind of the thing, like I said, with the pull-up bar. So now a bit of a, a heavy answer. Um, it's a bit more serious. So I, I diagnosed myself with hyperglycemia. It was a weird thing where... After every race, every endurance race where I was pushing myself, it was the 800 meter that I did. It was about a two minute long. I know uh, two minutes might be fast for you, but I- I'm appreciative that it was fast that I ran 200, uh, I ran 800 meters in two minutes. But that's yeah. Uh, but there was people running it in like 147, and you know that's an eternity. So <laughs> that whole track world is a is a is a like something I'm yet to explore in any great detail. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Like, yeah, you know, especially because Iron Man, it's like, oh, I want to do nine hours and fifty minutes, and you do ten hours and fifteen. It's like, great job, twenty five minutes. Like, yeah, three seconds in the track world's like you're a pro or you're an amateur. Yeah, you yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You run a one forty five, you're qualifying for the Olympics. You run one forty eight. Like, good job, man. Yeah, you it, know, like <laughs> it, it's the yeah the the margin of uh, the margin of success and not success there is uh, is tiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why they count hundredth of a second. Yeah. And, um, you know, you step wrong and you lose a whole second. But, but yeah, so I was doing those and I I kind of like found myself in mid-distance. I didn't know I had this much endurance uh, and it wasn't that much endurance. But every single race through my whole collegiate university career, I would pass out after the race. I'd actually go to sleep. And... I remember going to a coach who had a nutrition background and the uh, the trainers, as they're called, the sports experts there that helped you out. And they were like, oh, it might be a blood sugar thing. So I got a blood sugar glycogen um, pricker from a guy that had diabetes that I knew. And I was just pricking my finger throughout the day, yeah. before practice, after practice. And I would do it right after, right before the race, right after the race, right after eating stuff, right before going to sleep when I woke up. Yeah. And I, have, I actually found the journal of that, which was oh. so awesome. Uh, it was just this, this notepad document. Um, oh, mate, I'd be, I'd be keen to see it. From 2003, yeah, yeah. I'd be super curious to see it. I should put that in the notes. Yeah, yeah do. Um, and it's super like rud- rudimentary. Yeah, no, no. That, that I'm just, I'm just stoked that you've got that. That's, that's really, really interesting. Like, yeah, I, got, I was, I remember going like, I know I have this document somewhere, and I uh, searched it because I've kept all my documents from almost like high school since I've been using computers. Yeah, and I found it, so I tracked it, and I remember like they just went, I don't know, that's just how you are, and I was like, I don't know if this is right. And at night, so every night, or it was about the evening, I then would proceed to have one of the nastiest migraines of all times. No matter what I eat, I was hard on carbs back mm. then. You know, it was white bread, white pasta, 
French fries. Uh, I'm I'm 20, 21 years old. It, yeah, I was yeah, skinny. Yeah. It didn't matter. You know, like what the you, hell I ate. You could eat the side of a car and you'd yeah, be fine. Exactly, exactly. It was just junk food, and I don't really drink soda, but I remember drinking sugary drinks a lot and a lot of alcohol. Um, so through all of that, it was just kind of like uh, that's just how you are. And I then you know graduated. I ran a couple five Ks. Um, I did an 8K race, and I remember I went to sleep afterwards. Mm. And it was quite scary because no one was around me. I was doing these races, like, you know, 20,000-person events. So you slept on the side of the... Yeah, i just sit down, and I remember, like, I have to go to sleep. Like, I couldn't fight it. Yeah, right. And it would just be like, boom. And it'd just be like, three minutes later, i wake up. And then it'd just be like, okay, cool. But usually I had my I had my track around, my track team around me, but so doing wait, it on my own. You'd only sleep for like a few minutes. Yeah, it? yeah right. Maybe a few minutes. I'd be unconscious, done. And um, I didn't know what it was. So I just said, that's just how I am. Fast forward a few years later, and if I didn't eat right, I was like, wait, why am I getting this headache? And some people are like, just eat. You know, like you, you, you're hangry. And I was like, no, 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 this is more than hangry. This is like some next level shit. So I always had like the the emergency granola bar on me, the emergency apple, because I didn't want my blood sugar. I always said, oh, I have blood sugar issues. That's what I said. But then I was like, what's actually happening here? Because I would get the same migraine that I got during track when I would do the races, no matter what I eat. So I would, you know, it's like, okay, I missed a meal, right? Then I'd say, all right, well, why don't I just eat? I'll feel better. It didn't matter. It was like this, this kind of like zone this area that i had to hit i had a few hours that i had to eat and if i didn't eat i would then drop the blood sugar drop and i'd get a a a crazy migraine till the end of the day even if you ate like outside of that window so if you had like a makeup meal yeah the makeup meal didn't didn't work and i was just like okay and this was up until about a solid year and a half ago and i remember coming home from from work or whatever and just having that headache and being like you know to my partner i'd be like I've got the headache. And she'd just be like, okay. And I'd just pop three, four painkillers, drink a whole bunch of water. There was one time I had to ride home and the lights, I almost like crashed riding home. No because way. the lights were so sharp. And I came home absolutely nauseous. It was like proper migraine. Yeah. Like where I was nauseous and I had to just lay on the floor and I, I was not hungry and I just went straight to sleep. And it was horrendous. I woke up, felt fine. So... I was going to ask if it was psychological, like when you said, "Oh, if I missed the window, I'd feel," and like, but it doesn't no. sound like it at all. No, that, no, 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 no. It was real it, physical it symptoms. Was like sound smells, and, yeah, yeah, and, and lights fucked me. So I didn't really think. Again, I didn't. I didn't think too hard in it. And this was a few months before I had this kind of epiphany. Um, I also started taking notice of bloating and generally not feeling healthy. So I'd eat a meal, and then a few hours later, I'd be still bloated, and I would be like, "Wait, what's going on?" Um, I knew I was getting older. I just accepted that, you know, okay, I kind of accepted that you gain weight, but I was also like, I'm the skinny guy. Um, I wasn't as toned as I used to be. Like, I put the back at the backpack test, the backpack bottom strap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where the, you know, we, we talked about this before. But when you, the running backpack and then yeah, you, you and do it. was pinching it my stomach. Sort of, and I was uh, like, the fuck is going on? I was like, maybe I'm bloated. But I realized that it might have been more than that. Like, but I also didn't know where my healthy version was. Yeah. Again, before I start, I'm going to say this. I'm not an expert, nor do I play one on the internet. So if you want to jump into losing body fat, losing weight, gaining muscle, training for something, have your own discovery process, which uh, I define as going out, researching on your own. One, 
Two, talking to experts, so people around you, medical professionals. Three, doing your own research. Uh, sorry, um, basing things off your own experience and your own history. That's the discovery process based on me. So do that because I'm not a professional. Uh, yeah, and also helpfully in the in the article, which will be up by the time this episode's out, I'm assuming. There's a ton of links. So Darren's done a great job of like citing and linking to a bunch of really well researched sources as well so i'd encourage anyone listening to this that's curious to um jump into the article click on the links and uh you know have a have a read and explore for yourself so what happened next might you ask you beautiful listeners out there i thought again i thought my diet was healthy um this goes back to me not knowing what healthy was and i was like oh i eat healthy but actually i realized that you know, even though I didn't implement the Moffatone approach, which uh, plugged Mr. Phil Moffatone and the Moffatone method, um, I did slowly over the past four or five years of getting into endurance training, I did cut out some of the processed foods, some of the carbs. I, I started eating more fat and protein based diets, um, but I was still eating white rice a lot. I was overeating, like I would always make sure I was full. I was eating very late. I was eating cookies and drinking beer most nights of the week um, just because it's like, oh, I'm going to have a beer with dinner. And, you know, an hour before I go to sleep, I'd have a beer. And that's not good. Having that much carbs and just having that many calories most nights. It wasn't like a one off. It was, you know, four or five nights a week. And I would justify with, hey, I'm skinny. Hey, I'm training a bunch. You know, like, yep. don't matter. Like, I'm good. Um, I ended up trying a few of the diets through was about a year ago. I said, hey, ketosis sounds cool. What is that? Oh, that sounds like discipline. I like discipline. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> and then intermittent fasting. What's this? Oh, shit. I'm not going to eat for 16 hours a day. Let me try that. That more sounds discipline. cool. <laughs> more discipline. Yeah, more weird stuff to make people go, why are you not more. eating? Um, then I tried a slow, uh, sorry, low-carb diet. Uh, it was more of like a, it was a carbohydrate intolerance test that Phil Moffaton talks about a bunch, um, which is, you just eliminate all carbs and sugar for two weeks. Ooh, rough. Did that for 10 days. Uh, the first two days were rough. The br- I've done that before, the breaking in period. Like, yeah. well, I've, I've experimented, experimented with a bit of ketosis as well. And that those first couple of days, like the the sort of keto, the, the cravings when you've been oh, on a carbohydrate tip yeah. previously. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 rough. It's- people people who give up heroin don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> that that was a joke, everyone. That was a, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be like um comedy. <laughs> like uh <laughs> Trevor Noah, I have to actually tell you when it's a joke, even yeah. though it's a comedy show. <laughs> so like, just so you don't take what I'm saying and run with it yeah. as the gospel. So yeah, so then I landed kind of on the slow carb diet, which was uh copyrighted by Tim Ferris, which he needs to like make a thing on it. He needs to make a whole book on the slow carb diet, because I think he came up with it from it's like a it's a modified paleo Atkins of sorts where you you it's you can have no sorry no carbs no white stuff except for beans and legumes which goes totally against paleo um and the beans and legumes are are very complex low sugar uh high fiber carbs and carbohydrates so that's that's where his whole thing is and you can have a whole bunch of those and that's how his his works i think and that's why it has the highest um what is it the highest retention rate you know, he says 85%, 80 to 85% of people stay um, with the slow carb. Yeah. The, what would be a good one? Yeah, retention, like um, compliance. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, parts parts per million or people per million. Yeah. Um, 
stay with that one. And I ended up staying with that one with the combination intermittent fasting. I was, um, I was actually talking to uh, somebody I work with today about that. And like, basically, you know, the, the reason it works is because it's, it's easy to stick to. It's really straightforward. And the imperfect diet that you that you stick with is better than the perfect diet that you fall off the wagon every couple of weeks because it's too hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually uh, something I was going to say a bit later, but I'll say it now. Oh, sorry. it's, you know, as far as habits goes and systems, it's better to be 50% right. A hundred percent of the time, then a hundred percent right. 5% of the time. Yeah. Like I, if you're, if you do it 50% right for the rest of your life, you are winning. Cause everyone, as you, as you might be as listener, you might know, uh, sticking with someone for three months and never doing it ever again is just, you know, it's cool, but like this is to be healthy. That's the main priority, which again, I'll get to in a second. Um, I wanted to experiment to see if my endurance training could change my body composition. So that I guess was the, uh, I don't know the scientific method that well, but that was the control. So I knew that I trained between anywhere from six to 10 hours a week or I'm active. So I, I ride my bike. I commute everywhere here in Sydney. It's a decent enough city to do it. I'm, I'm good on my bike. I like riding through traffic and not trying to die every day. So, uh, you know, I ride my bike and, and walk most places. So I'm, I'm active and I throw in a bit of training, a bit of, of resistance training, weightlifting in there. And it adds up to about six to 10 hours a week. When I was doing, uh, for reference, when I was doing Ironman training, I was doing about 15 to 20 plus hours during my peak. So, you know, that was the fittest I was and my body was nearly how it is now. So spoiler, you know, I, I reached the body type that I wanted. Um, I heard that, you know, I didn't research it at the time, but I heard that diet, the kitchen makes your body. You know, a lot of bodybuilders are big on their diet. They're very strict and there's a reason for that. So, you know, they don't eat shit and lift weights like crazy. They know that they have to, what goes into their body gives them the crazy six pack and the, 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 the bodybuilding that they want, which isn't really what I was going for. No, no. But just in terms of a subpopulation of athletes, I don't think there's a group that's quite as disciplined and fastidious and, and I guess scientific about the, you know, the ones that aren't, aren't just throwing a load of bro science on top of it, but bodybuilders are absolutely meticulous in terms of um in terms of their diet they, they've got it down to an art more than more than anyone else so yeah yeah it, it, i 100 percent agree yeah so it's good to use them as kind of a, a a supplement or you know it's like oh that's that's an addition to what you're doing just seeing what they do you don't have to do exactly what they do but they their shit is tight like yeah. they you have to be you can't get those chisel bodies by eating garbage you know no. i think they have one cheat day some of them every two or three weeks i'm more on the seven to ten days of cheat day for most people having a six-pack is a full-time hobby <laughs> for sure for sure yeah. it is like yeah. it, it's you have to obsessively like that has to be yeah. a, a, a you know it's a lot of focus and attention and work yeah like it's a hobby i uh, agreed agreed and all the crunches in the world won't give you that it's it's the diet oh. you know like it's it's definitely the diet um you know, age is a mofo, muscle de uh, muscle degeneration, um, the ability to add fat easier as you get older and burn less calories. Just it's just what happens. Um, it's all it's gonna happen to all you listeners out there. And creating the systems and habits, can you jam this in there? Right now is going to help that because the reason you know this is a side, it's a huge side note, but the reason why older people are more fragile, well, one, your bones actually, your bone density starts to to shrink. Um, but that's because you're not adding resistance to it. And also, 
you don't have the muscular structure and the strength. So that's why a lot of old people break their hips because, yep. and that's why they fall because they don't have strength. They don't have muscles to keep them up. They don't have the balance, which is muscles. So it, it's, it's quite interesting. What are you Oh, there's a great saying I like. Um, I don't know where I heard this, but like, make grandma carry her shopping. Like, w- <laughs> well, one one of the reasons, one of the reasons, a lot of old, old people. Good. Well, the, the the reason they the the you know the they have muscle wasted and 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 weakness, and then they end up getting injured is because they stop doing things and people start doing things for them, and like. Mm carrying the shopping and walking and taking the stairs is th- that kind of low level activity that keeps you fit and healthy. Yeah. You look at the people who are like killing it at 70, 80, they're the ones that are still running triathlons and stuff. Shout, shout out John Hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, completely. I don't, I don't think he's quite that old, he's but he, but 60s. he's, yeah, he's in his sixties and killing it. And he like, beat me at a triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> he's not beat me yet. <laughs> Come at me, John. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, not really. Um, but yeah, it, it's that it's the staying active. It's and it, the same thing with the people's brain atrophying as well. It's the people who stop learning and stop working. Like they quit their job, and all of a sudden, they their mind goes to pudding because they're not putting it to work. Yeah, you, you got to work the system, the yeah. physical and the mental. Oh, the way you say pudding, it's just so pudding. <laughs> just the mind goes to pudding. That was the worst impression of me ever. <laughs> pudding. All right, back, back, to this, back to this. I know you guys are hanging on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, at the end of the day, I stuck with intermittent fasting and slow-carb um, slow carb diet. So it's a combination of both. Sometimes I do 12 hours. Sometimes I do 18, 20. And it all depends. I cycle in moderate carbs. I'm not really big into high carbs. Uh, my body is, is pretty fat adapted. Uh, I've done a couple of intense longer races and I'm not craving anything. I don't. I don't get hungry in the middle of the race. I haven't bonked, so I know that I'm. I'm. My body's burning more fat than, than sugar or sorry, glycogen. Um, so on more active days, on race days, before I do carb load a bit, but you know, on complex carbs, beetroot juice. That's a whole another conversation. Won't, won't bring that in. Here. Beetroot juice no. though. Beetroot juice. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Beetroot juice. Oh, that mate. shit is that crack. Later. Another. That crack? That's, that's, <laughs> listen to the war juice episode. Yes. I am now the healthiest I've ever been via biomarkers. My health is primary. So I've got some really good blood work going on. Cholesterol is healthy. My uh, glycogen levels are healthy. And all the other good stuff. Vitamin D, healthy. I'm brown skin. I'm very dark skin. Oh, spoiler, I'm black, guys. Um, And it's quite hard for black people to get vitamin D, especially in the winter. Not here in Australia, but maybe North America or Europe where you are. You work inside. You train in the mornings. Um, so I got my vitamin D proper. Do you supplement at all? I do. In the winter, I go pretty hard. I do every day in the winter vitamin yeah, D. Yeah, same. Um, in the summer, I'll do every like other day, every few days, because I do try to sit out in the sun for an hour. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't burn, so yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and the the Australian sun is good for us brown people. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm as pasty as it comes, and if I sat out for an hour in the in the summer. I'd be red. Yeah, skin cancer. It wouldn't be good. Yeah. Possibilities. Anyway. Yeah. Um, not good. Not good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm the fastest. So, first off, I'm healthy. Second off, I'm the fastest I've ever been. Performance is secondary, but it's fucking fun. Yeah. And um, I'm crushing some crushing, crushing some time trim- trials. Woo! Crushy, crushing some time trials. Damn. Wow. Not even going to say that. <laughs> I am killing some time trials um, <laughs> and races. I'm, I'm doing the best times I've ever done and, and just running strong and... It's a combination of a lot of things, but 
you know, fitness, uh, sorry, the, the health and nutrition is, is a part of that. Sorry, the nutrition is a part of that. I am the fittest. So if we put fit as in body composition, the fittest I've been, I've lost the most body fat. I'm down to 10%. I need to do a DEXA scan. I try to do them every six months. I'm trying to be at 9%. I uh, think I might be. I've gained, gained a bunch of muscle and my, again, my body fat percentage is lower than it was when I was 16. So it was 11.5% when I was 16 uh, via some skinfold calipers by my random gym teacher. That might have been off, but... Uh, <laughs> what, the gym teacher or the calipers? Uh, both. The gym teacher was pretty awesome. He listened to Jimmy Buffett all the time. And uh, just all the time. He loved Jimmy Buffett. I don't know who that is. And I, I got a six-pack that I, you know, I never had a six-pack. I always had a pretty flat stomach, but I never had a six-pack. And now I have one. And, you know, it's just some vanity, dumb supplemental bullshit. But it's kind of cool. Like, it's kind of my, like, okay, I know I'm fit when I can see my six-pack. Yeah. And I know this is now my, like... This is where I need to be. You know, I'm just trying to hold this as long as I can. Um, fact, diet and nutrition are more important than training and exercise when it comes to general health and body composition. Exercise and fitness alone won't give you the body you want. And that's based on my findings and that's based on a lot of research. So just just remember that, you know, I'd say 60 to 70 percent is based on nutrition for, for health and fitness. Yeah. I mean, the old saying, you you get fit in the gym and you get lean in the kitchen. That's Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I'd rather be healthy and unfit than fit and healthy. Think about that. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to jam that in there. You got both. You got both. I, I do, but, yeah. I'd, but I'd rather be healthy and unfit. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, you know, for healthy sure. first. That is to create lifelong habits and sustainable systems. So I've got a bunch of analytics and measurements. Um, you can't see them because it's a podcast, but through the power of technology right now as of this podcast in 2018 you can use your podcast app and click on it yes i know whatever you're using computer or mobile device click on it and there's a whole bunch of show notes and there's a link in there and you can actually click on the link again follow along and you could see photos of my body composition change from 2017 to 2018 you can see a journal there's a lot of uh too much information in there a lot of tmi in there some some poop stories uh i was was documenting every (laughs) single day for four months (laughs) There's a VO2 max test in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some some blood work results, a DEXA scan. You can actually see, like, muscles and bones and all that stuff and fat. Again, I wouldn't have known this if I didn't test it because I went from 16% down to 10% or wherever I'm at now. So it's not that big of a difference, and I don't see it in myself. And someone that maybe saw me two years ago, oh, Darren, you look the same, especially with clothes on. And I wouldn't have seen it myself, but I'm glad I tracked it because I saw the slow progress that i was making and if i didn't see this i would be like oh it's not working so tracking's huge and it comes back to and we've hopped on this a bunch of times in earlier episodes but the subjective experience most people have of stuff is sorry it's bullshit it's the like oh i did a time trial and i felt faster well that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything like what was your what was your wattage what was your time what was your heart rate are you improving and same thing here like i feel I feel lean is not the same as being lean. Thank you, Phil, for that. Always, always the 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 good British accent. <laughs> Just sounds. You're, again, you're my you're my audio glasses, man. It's the only reason I'm here. The accent. <laughs> uh, warning: results may vary. My genes, body type, experience, and history is different than most people listening, if not everyone, because I am me and you are you. I've said this already, but. Um, 
just remember that. So, you know, what I'm doing and, and how my results are, are very different than, than you. And it doesn't mean I'm better or worse. It just is different. And that's fucking cool. Consistency, quality, discipline, and timing are huge with everything when it comes to nutrition, training, uh, resistance training, sleep, all that. It, it's consistency, quality, discipline, timing. So just remember that. So the second part of my uh, blog post <laughs> is gaining muscle. Um, yeah, again, read the blog post. Basically was a ramped up version of the fat loss protocol without the rapid fast lo fat loss state. I ended up implementing some intervals, two plus minutes on hills, whatever, um, faster, longer stuff on the bike, the swim, the run. Um, some some hit so H I I T high intensity interval training. I in implemented and I created a fake cyclo uh, sorry a fake CrossFit circuit, which was just me literally just doing a you know squats deadlifts da 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 and then box jumps and then hill sprints, rest. So I I made I've never done CrossFit before, so sorry apologies to all you CrossFit people for doing it wrong. But what, what name are you gonna give your workout? <laughs> you gotta give it a girl's name. Really. The, they're all like Fran and Liz. Oh, I'll yeah. call it the, what's the female version of Darren? Actually, Darren is a female name. Is it, it can be. It's it's um unisex. Never if you put a, a Y in called it. Darren. Yeah, there's a couple Darrens. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, okay. in, in the States at least. Uh, I'll call it Darren. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Is that the whiskey? Is that the whiskey? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've now got to come up with a CrossFit workout and call it Philippa. <laughs> Philippa! Yeah. Philippa? <laughs> what the fuck is that? What's Philippa? Philippa! Philippa's a... That sounds like a disease. What the hell is Philippa? Philippa's a real name. Like <laughs> Philippa Forrester. What are you... What the fuck it's are you... Philippa! Isn't it Philippa? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. Um. Weight loss. Nutrition. Oh, well, gain, I'm getting muscle now. So more intense workouts. Eight weeks in, I saw a DEXA scan guy. Um, he told me to to lift more and eat more, and then I ended up actually like dropping more body fat and gaining more muscle. Funny, funny enough, or well, cool story, cool story, bro. I from what was it after I lost a bunch of weight and some muscle went with it, I then upped my high intensity training. I upped my carbohydrate intake and my protein intake a bit. Ended up gaining three kilos, that's almost eight pounds, seven pounds of muscle, and only 200 grams of fat. So I did yeah, right. like pure muscle gain in that. So that actually showed me, and I didn't even mean to do that, that if you do increase the intensity. So this is just proof. This is proof that all these articles and all these scientific studies actually work. I read them and go, oh, that shit don't work for me. But it's pretty cool to see it actually work for me, and, which means yeah, that it until you try. probably works for most people. You yeah. know, like it's the scientific studies that are peer reviewed are on many, many people. So it's legit, legit shit. It's real science. Um, and again, yeah, just implemented the cheat day. I spread it out more to eight to ten days rather than seven. I kind of did cheat meals, but I won't go into details about that because it gets a bit murky. I can't do the day. Like, I, I, I can't do it. It's too I, hard to eat shit all day. Yeah, I do the one, like, when I cheat, I, I, I'll, we'll go to dinner or something. Yeah. And I, like, have the dessert and the bread and, like, I'll, it'd be a meal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a cheat half day or it's like you end up yeah. going to some company thing and you eat something and go, oh, it's just a cheat snack. 
And then at dinner, there's a beer, and you go, fuck it, it's a cheat day. All yeah. right, my cheat day's earlier now. Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. will happen. And then I go, Saturday's not a cheat day now, Yeah. and yeah. I'll just keep it clean. So I, I eat clean. So that's basically the overall yeah. uh, kind of theme of how I eat is, is clean. So how I kept the habit for the last 12 months, just going through it, bullet point style. I set objectives for me. First off, it was body fat percentage. I knew that I wanted some fake me out six pack. So I was like, all right, how do you get a six pack? And I knew that around 10% body fat is usually when you can create a six pack. So I said, that's my number. I knew I started at about 16%. So I said, 10% sounds about right. I can get to 10%. So that was it. Weight, I was 78 kilos to start with. I said 70 kilos made sense. Uh, it was a nice round number. And time, I gave myself four months to get there. Um, I also wanted to better my time trials in the swim, bike, run. I'm a triathlete, as you probably know by this point, if you've been listening. Um, by about 5%. And yep. some of them I did almost 10%. Please check out our first awesome episode, Good Goals, again. Plug in that one. Yep. It's called Good Goals. Go back to that one. We we talk about how to objective set and, and, and goal set. I baked everything into my schedule, so I attach things to things. Example, every Tuesday, I weight train. I do resistance training right after running. For some people, that might be hard. It was a bit hard the first first week or two. Um, you know, after running for 45 minutes to an hour and then lifting for 30 minutes, it was yeah. quite a big day. I have two big days, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, but my body adapted to it and it actually is quite nice. And if I don't, if I don't lift after I run, it actually feels weird now. It's been 12 months. I'm pretty rigid when it comes to my schedule, but I'm adaptive. I call it adaptive rigidity. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a thing. I probably, if I Google it, which I haven't yet, it's probably a thing and someone has a website and an Instagram. It's probably some kind of software development thing. Yeah, probably. It sounds like it is. Yeah. Uh, it's a very delicate balance um, where I make decisions based on my objective. So I then change things as I go about. I plan ahead. I go, okay, what's happening? Is it raining? Can I not ride my bike? Um, I look a few days, a few weeks, a few months ahead, even if I need to. And then, you know, I adjust my schedule. So, again, it's adaptive. It's a rigid adaptive. Um, you know, getting from point C from point A. So I start at point A. I want to get to point C. Here's an example. It's a pretty bad one. Uh, point A is where I'm at right now. Point C is where I want to go. And point B can move around. So it might be, you know, five places higher or five places lower. It might go backwards, it might go forwards, but I can always get back to point C because I know that point C is here. That's a really bad example. Really importantly here, I've just Googled that adaptive rigidity is to do with um, robotic vehicles and formation control of uncertain multi-robotic vehicles. Cool. Yeah. Great, great side. Cool. Great sidebar. Okay, the take home from anyone listening, this shit works. It actually works. And it's not that my plan works. It's not revolutionary what I did, I'm, I, but I'm still amazed that it worked and it's still working. Um, it just goes to show that any way will work and that consistency is more important than getting it right. Again, 50% right, 100% of the time is better than 100% right, 5% of the time. Go out, you listeners at home, go out, pick something that you think is cool, excites you, and stick with it for minimum three four weeks to see results if it doesn't work at all if you see nothing if you're actually measuring you see nothing pivot and adapt as necessary and keep measuring and documenting it the changes will present themselves guaranteed if you you really stick to what you're doing again i know that's super open and it's kind of vague but it has to be because i don't know what the fuck you're doing you you're not probably going to do what i'm doing so no. i'm not going to say this will work for that so if you did it exactly like me and you're me it will probably work but the chances of that are like zero
the beauty is that life happens again and it's a beautiful thing you know job house family whatever uh you get sick which you shouldn't this goes back to overtraining episode um and overreaching you shouldn't get sick if kind of the holistic uh approach everything is is hitting homeostasis yeah uh, sometimes a virus comes yeah viruses do happen and you know like things do happen but if you're the healthiest version of you that you can be you have a better defense against it so of course you you will get sick you know you can get a stomach bug you eat something random like that that could happen and that happened to me a few weeks ago yeah i went out for dinner and then the next day i just felt rotten i had stomach pains yeah what are you gonna do yeah you know something something you cooked could have been off it could have been something at a restaurant and then two days you're you're out of commission but if you have this habit get right back on the game train <laughs> and again you know and this my plan is is diy uh it's it's open source i know i've said this a million times use what i did and make it your own switch things up take one thing and ignore the 95 things that i said we'd love to hear what you what you did get us hit us on the comments and the subscriptions no what what you can't do that hit us on the hit us on the facebook the facebook the website the instagram and the twitter and the twitter whatever. the talk some shit Talk some shit at themasterofsome.com. Wherever you like. And we're at Master of Some Pod on everywhere now. Yeah. I think. We actually, yeah. masterofsomepod.com is the thing. Yeah. And links back to everything else. So, yep. yeah, we got it all sorted. Thanks for listening, guys. I know that was a long one. Hopefully, the magic of editing, whoever edits this future Darren self, yes, third person, um, do a good job of making it concise. And we appreciate all your support, all you listeners out there. Keep rocking on. Wow, that was a that was a lot. That was that was a lot of deep, deep information there. And uh, you know, I for one appreciate you know the way Darren breaks that sort of stuff down. And if anyone wants to get you know real value out of this and take their own health and fitness to the next level, there's actually a free download of the um, of the health tracking form that Darren created for his personal uh, you know development project at DarrenLake.net. Um, I've had a look at it. I've used it myself. It's super, super comprehensive. So head on over there. Um, it's a free download. So, you know, make the most of it. Uh, really good first step in controlling your own data and empowering you to really make better decisions about your health and fitness. So subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you, um, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.